Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. Welcome to another episode of Starfleet Boy, in which we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek The Next Generation. And today we are having that casual and formal discussion about the final episode of season one of Star Trek The Next Generation, The Neutral Zone. Dun, dun, dun. The Neutral Zone. The Neutral Zone. Oh, I should have brought my Romulan figure. Or the war? Do you have the warbird? I don't have the warbird. Oh, By the way, is. I blame you for this Star Trek uh, frenzy on eBay that I'm in, that I'm going through right now. Um, we cannot go more than two hours in this conversation because I'm waiting on a on a <laughs> on purchasing something on eBay. I'm watching something a, a bit. Wow. There's okay. four uh, Star Trek three glasses and a, and a cardboard of Spock from Taco Bell that I'm watching right now. Wow. Oh, good luck to you. May you be yes. the winner. <laughs> there we go. Well, this episode um, of Star Trek The Next Generation, The Neutral Zone, uh, was very interesting. It takes place, um, <clears throat> there's a situation occurring that, uh, where uh, star bases along the neutral zone are being destroyed. And so the Enterprise is prompted to investigate. Uh, but before they do that, they encounter a strange uh, vessel, um, an old Earth vessel of some kind. And uh, Data takes it upon himself to beam the survivors or the people that were on the vessel in a cryogenic frozen state aboard the ship so echoes of space seed here <laughs> but not oh quite. come on okay <laughs> not quite it takes a different direction not, uh, quite. <laughs> not even so close we have this tense situation going on in the neutral zone and then we have this really uh sometimes comedic and sometimes um sentimental situation and commentary on earth going on with these three uh cryogenically frozen um people from uh, around our time, actually. They're, they're people that froze themselves uh, or got frozen for various reasons, and uh, they're very lucky to have been awoken uh, by Commander Data on, Lieutenant Commander Data on the Enterprise D. That's like my dream come true. I don't know about anyone else, but I would love to be frozen and then awoken 400 years from now and and find myself on board the starship enterprise so that was like a i was very envious of uh these very unfortunate 
people. <laughs> Are you saying you, you want all your friends to chip in for you to get uh, cryogenically frozen uh, years from now? Uh, yeah. Right on the verge of your death? <laughs> I, uh, yes. Let's start an, uh, an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter. Freeze, That's Free Sohill. Free Sohill. Free, free Starfleet Boy. <laughs> but um, anyways, uh the crew investigate the uh, situation in the neutral zone. Uh, Captain Picard has such a great, calm, cool head uh, about him. And uh, what do they discover? Um, an encounter with Romulans. And the, Rom- the Romulans admit, with the help of one of our uh, anachronistic friends, um, <laughs> that they don't know why that they have similar losses on their side of the neutral zone and that they've been away for uh, many years, but now they're back. The Romulans are back. We are back. Was that actor was the actor that played gold, gold Ducat, right? Yes. Same actor. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, it was one of those two Romulans. So very simple, simple story. And I think that watching the episode, even though I liked it um, just fine, I could see the argument that maybe conspiracy should have been the last episode of the season. Because other than the Romulan thing, it's like it's like not, you know, a particularly compelling season finale. But I will say that um, that I did like it, actually. I I thought that, um, you know the tension about what was going on in the neutral zone was very good. They they did a good job of conveying that. I thought that the characters, um, uh, you know, the humans from our time. I guess they they might be from like the eighties. Actually, <laughs> there's a there's a housewife who data data describes as a, some kind of construction worker because she's listed as a homemaker. Oh. So he's like, she must be some kind of construction worker. There's a financier who's a bit of a tycoon type. And then there's a, what I can only imagine was a country music star. Was uh, that Barry Reed? Was it? <laughs> Jerry Reed from the old Smokey and the Bandit movies? I don't know. <laughs> I don't Papa know. Reynolds and Dom DeLuise are going to show up. We should. <laughs> that. Would have been something else. Cannonball that would have been a great episode. Yeah, <laughs> Reynolds and Dom DeLuise, come on. <laughs> Why did Star Trek The Next Generation never get Dom DeLuise and Burt Reynolds on is baffling to me because that would have been an amazing <laughs> awesome Awesomeness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Burt Reynolds hitting on Crusher? It would have been great, man. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, Mark Alemo is the name of the actor who plays Commander T-Bock, um, who later goes on to have a football career, right? T-Bock? No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Um, uh, and <laughs> so that, the actor who played Sonny Clemens, LQ Sonny, Sonny Clemens, uh, was Leon Rippey. Grace Har- Gracie Harrison played Claire Raymond, the housewife, the homemaker. Um, and then um, Ralph. Played Trump? Ra- <laughs> Ralph Offenhouse. He wi- Trump wishes he was as cool 
as Ralph Offenhouse is. Trump wishes he looked as good. I'm, now I sound like Trump. I have to stop. <laughs> we all, humanity, we're all in danger of sounding like Trump. Something, yeah, right. something has to be done about it. But, um, <clears throat> but anyways, I thought, I thought that, um, the, the homemaker story was the saddest story because her husband out of love, um, froze her hoping that maybe uh, they would find a cure for her uh, condition within his lifetime. But obviously that didn't happen. And she thought, you know, it was actually her story is really touching because she even uh, went into exploring where her family is today. And just kind of, there was a whole, a lot more, I thought realistic sadness to her situation than, than the other people. The financier was, crushed that his accounts no longer exist and the, and that his law firm no longer exists. And like, you know, he's very surprised about these things and, um, and he's handling it in a rather kind of uh, crazy way. And, uh, the country star is just chill. He's just, he's digging that synth hall. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he's ready to ruin his liver part two. <laughs> Dr. Crusher. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor, I thought the commentary on humanity was actually great, and it still holds up today. Those kinds of archetypes are still in existence today. Um, you know, one could imagine on a new Star Trek series if they were to uh, redo that show, I would replace the country star with Justin Bieber, perhaps. Ooh, <laughs> he's headed on. He's heading Ooh. on that path. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> wow okay so so then after <laughs> so what did you think um well i i i agree with you that um it's weird to think of this as the season finale because i think the there seemed to be so much momentum and excitement with the last one and um honestly for years i i just assumed that uh conspiracy was the uh season finale but it's not um but in my own head <laughs> it it always was um i i you said that um the episode reminded you of space seed with the setup of the you know getting the people uh out of cryo freeze and yeah, all that echoes 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 of it right <laughs> it, it echoed that that setup in, in the <laughs> setup in space seed but um, actually, the episode that I was reminded of is the uh, the Romulan episode um, in uh, in the original series, Balance of Terror, or at least that's the what it could have been. Uh, that's what I wish it would have been. Um, I would have liked to have seen more intrigue, more. Um, more time in the episode devoted to the crew sort of uh, psychologically preparing for this possible meeting with the Romulans. And I remember that in the original series, there was a lot invested in that. And then it finally happened and there was, uh, there was distrust. Um, uh, uh, there was a crew member on the original uh, ship who distrusted Spock because he's like, Oh my God, look, they look just like him mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and all that. And, and, um, it would have been cool if, if Worf had gone a little crazy in this episode and been like, he, 
he did object a little bit. He did have that moment. But more of that, because I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, the Klingons and the Romulans have have a, a long standing feud. Yeah, I mean, uh, Worf says something like, uh, "Captain, how can you, you know, not raise, you know, not go to red alert? Romulans think of us as a waste of, you know, Klingons and humans as a waste of skin, and you know, it's like." Interesting, but then earlier in the episode, Counselor Troy gives that interesting debriefing to uh, to Captain Picard, where she says that um, Romulans actually have a fascination with humans, um, a strange kind of like a cat fascinated with a mouse type of yeah. <laughs> yeah. fascination. Um, I think that yeah. Go ahead. I think I think the buildup was interesting because um, up until now the Klingons have been like kind of the main go-to bad guy. Um, we don't even really see Romulans in the original series films um, until uh, Romulan Ambassador Nonclus in <clears throat> in Star Trek VI, um, and they're certainly not a threat to the Federation. They have disappeared. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. And we never really, I don't think we ever really learned what war, was it the Cardassian Romulan war? What was it that was keeping them away for like 53 years or something like that? Um, but anyways, um, the Romulan commander, you know, he's like, we've been, we've been away uh, for far too long because we see Federation expansion and like, you know, and now we're back, you know, it's kind of like to say that we'll keep you guys in check. And it's true from here on Romulans become a big part, excuse me, of the, uh, of the next generation, um, story. I think they're in every season. Um, and then we see them in Star Trek nemesis in a big way. And then in a way, this, this episode is even the seed for the Kelvin universe because it's the next generation events in the next generation timeline, that trigger um, Ambassador Spock and um, Nero to go through the... Uh, you have to remember, they're from this continuity. Nero and Ambassador Spock are, from, universe, yeah. are from this continuity. And then they leave and go into, um, into this Kelvin. They create this new continuity, the Kelvin timeline. But, um, but aside from that, even you know Spock will be back and it's because of the Romulans that, that he's, he's back and he wants to reunify the, the Romulans and the Vulcans. And there's just a lot, there's going to be a lot of Romulan stuff from here on. And, and I think it's great. I do too, but not much happens in this one. No, it's just pretty much. <laughs> right. It's sort of just like a, a teaser, uh, barely a teaser. And I think um, uh, for my personal taste uh a way too much was given to uh the this other uh subplot or or co-plot uh with the uh the three earthlings that they find uh frozen and uh they're trying to readjust to this new world um i did a little digging around uh, online and actually the stories the non-canon, the non-canon stories associated with these characters are far more interesting than what we see in this episode. Um, there's a book about again that temporal agency that Starfleet uh, has. Uh, 
the housewife goes to work for them and she oh. ends up being someone who um, helps people adjust uh, to the 24th century from different times because this time is not refu- the first time. Yeah, there's a lot of time refugees. You're right. <laughs> uh, there's uh, the most famous one, I think, is um, uh, what's her name? Jillian from Star Trek yeah. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I, uh, yeah. Do you think that there was controversy in the Federation about temporal refugees like there are about refugees on Earth? These people are not from our time. <laughs> we want a Brexit. We want a Brexit from the Federation. There's too many temporal refugees coming in. Perhaps. Control uh, the temporal borders. Shit. Sorry. Build a wall. Build a temporal wall. <laughs> build a temporal wall. wall. Let's build a, build a temporal wall. <laughs> Let's build a time wall. Time wall. That's, that's, that's what... Uh, um, what's his name? Morbius was going to do build a time wall. <laughs> well, what is it? Uh, we actually, what is it? Uh, um, <laughs> what was Gallifrey in for like all five seasons? Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> what was it? it? Was a time bubble or something? Yeah, I, but it was called the something. Oh, yeah, man. the time war is locked in a in a, a time lock. A time lock. Thank you. <laughs> Thank time lock. It's been time locked, <laughs> and so has my memory. My memory has been time locked because yeah. I can never remember things at the right time. Um, um, Counselor the, Troy uh, was really uh-huh. she did her thing in this episode in the way she that did you, her job. She yeah. did her job. <laughs> good, good. Troy did your job. All right. So She's she goes to work for. So she job. goes to work for the time cops, and then what else? Uh, Donald Trump actually becomes, um, I don't know what his real name is, but, uh, the, the, fi- the financier becomes, uh, <laughs> the Federation ambassador to the Ferengi. That's amazing. That's really perfect. <laughs> That's so good. He is a, a Ferengi. That's like he's perfect. the only guy that can understand the Ferengi in the 24th century. So they send him to be the ambassador. That's Federation pretty. Ambassador to the Ferengi, which I, I approve. Cool. I approve of this message. That's yeah. very. Good. And yeah. does and does the country star? Uh, yeah, fulfill yeah, Jerry his? Reed. Uh, <laughs> Begins uh, a new wave of interest in 20th and 21st century music. Um, There's a tear in my beer because I'm crying for you, dear. You are on my lonely mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, LQ Clemens. Apparently he uh he scored a big success with a song Don't send me no email unless you're a female. <laughs> OMG. Um yeah, that was his big hit. <laughs> that was his hit before, you mean in our time, or was that right. his his right. future? Yeah, hit? these guys, oh, that's another thing. Uh all of these characters, a lot of their backstories are actually um uh told in um two book series about the rise of Khan because they're all from the nineties. And if you remember in the uh, Star Trek universe, Khan 
is supposed to be uh, rising to power, and actually, um, the financier um, helped fund uh, some of the research that went into the eugenics. Into the eugenics, yes, and um, directly linked to, uh, as, as you know, you were saying, the episode you know reminded you of of this setup in uh, Spacey. This was sent up at the same time as the Botany Bay, but this was sent up in orbit around the Earth. But because of the events of the eugenics wars, this ship was thrown out of orbit. I see. Right, and um, so. So yeah, so there are so you know uh, there are ties to uh, Space Seed. Interesting. Uh, these characters. <clears throat> I mean, at the time of this episode, that was also it really genuinely was a big um, fad or news story. I mean, they were talking. People were. I remember as a kid seeing uh, cryogenic freezing uh, things popping up on NBC News, and everyone thinks. I don't know if this is true, but everyone thinks Walt Disney is frozen or his head is frozen i'm not sure just had a conversation about that with someone at work (laughs) i don't know if that's real or not but that's what i remember as a kid being uh being told in the legend in the urban legend uh, urban legend um i thought it was interesting that um when um the woman from the past is looking up her current relatives um, she finds her most recent relative and whose face was it? Did you notice that? No. It's Gene Roddenberry's face. They use, uh, no way. Yeah. I did not notice that. Yeah. Gene Roddenberry's wow. face is the face of her most recent wow. um, relative. And then the other weird thing that I noticed <laughs> watching the, uh, episode was in the, in that same scene, um, when she's sitting in talking to counselor Troy in the background, there's a constitution class, uh, starship yeah painted silver but the nacelles are backwards they're uh, like glued on backwards i don't know if that's intentional or uh, or if that was a mistake or it was meant to be funny i don't know anything about that and it's the first time i've ever noticed it as a matter of fact now i'm going to be looking out for it some more um uh, no. There are Starship models all over the Enterprise. I noticed that, like, there's also a model of the Enterprise D in the financier's room, or it might have been it might have been uh, Clemens' room, J.C. Clement, L.C. Clemens' room. I'm not sure, but um, I like that discussion that the three of them have. Also, where the financier basically wants to like commandeer the command of the ship and the rest of them are like, "What is wrong with you? Like, just chill out." Um, I also thought it was cool when Captain Picard comes to see them. It's like, and he's just, he just like goes down there and kind of kind of uh, tells them what's what. Don't use the intercom. <laughs> Don't use the ship's intercom. But of course, he doesn't listen. Um, I, I think I think the episode. I think you actually had two potentially very good episodes in this one and they probably would have been best served if they had been standalones not merged together i there is a lot of comedy to be mined in in the premise of the of the three people from the 90s waking up on the enterprise i think i may have enjoyed that a lot more if 
it weren't uh, counterbalanced with the Romulan uh, threat, which uh, right. And, um, you know, obviously we know that the mystery that they're investigating, we, we of course, we, we know it's not the Romulans. Uh, it's the Borg who are, are doing this. Uh, but wait, is that right? Yes. But the Borg aren't even introduced until season two and they're way far, far out. If you, if, well, when we come to rewatch, uh, best of both worlds, they cite, uh, the, um, the fact that, you know, those, remember the colonies were completely scooped up. Remember, and they leave like this, this. It's just a hole in the ground. Right. Now, neither the Romulans. And remember, in the conversation, the Romulans say, "Well, we didn't do it." And we knew uh, you couldn't have done it. We know you. We, you couldn't have done it. So we're both investigating the same mystery. From oh, so they're setting. They're, but they're genuinely setting up the Borg. You, you know this, like, for a fact, because I didn't get that. For, I didn't read that. Well, we don't get it until Best of Both Worlds That's where amazing. they're investigating similar uh, uh, disappearances of star bases and they, they reference uh, back to the neutral zone. So I like that episode. I like this episode a lot more now. <laughs> well, I mean, this episode does it, it's it sets up, but um, I would have liked to have seen more, you know, of that setup and the investigating of the mystery and uh, less of, you know, the comedy um, of these three, uh, these three 90s guys. Or no, well, two 90s guys and one girl waking up on the Enterprise. Um, it just seemed like, I don't know. Sounds like it was, a movie, two 90s guys and a girl. <laughs> it was just, I, I thought it was a bad mix. I, unfortunately, I have to say that I didn't enjoy the episode oh, as wow. much as I feel I could have because I was... You know, it was to me. It just kept bouncing me back and forth, and I really wanted the Romulan mystery. I didn't really want the comedy, um, and it just didn't give it, it. It didn't give enough of either one in any case. So, so you thought it was a bunch of hooey? I thought it was a bunch of hooey. <laughs> um. I guess I definitely like this episode a lot more uh, than you did. Um, I also like the kind of overall um, message that's given to these three, especially through the uh, through the story of the financier. Uh, you know, where uh, he's informed that basically um, he's like, "Why? You know, if there's no money and no, you know, no power or any of this, then what do humans?" you know, do like, what do they strive for? And, um, you know, Picard says, we try to improve ourselves. We try to enrich our, our experience. Um, it's very simple. Um, and then, um, yeah, I thought it was very good in the, it's not the ideal season closer. It's not exciting, but like, I thought the message it's in, in the episode was a strong message. And, you know, at the end, um, you know, they're, they're talking about, um, you know, Riker's talking about how it might be fun to take, take the, the three of them back to earth just to get to know them, 
even more. And Captain Picard's like, yes, you know, it would be fun, but that's not our mission. Our mission is to go forward, you know? And I like, I love that little end cap. And he says something like our mission is to go forward. There's still so much to do and so much to learn or something, you know, to that effect. And I, yeah, I'm a sucker for those kinds of, uh, (laughs) those kinds of moments. And I thought that really hit a nice chord. And I don't know if, um, I don't know the you know the the intrigue of the time if next gen had already been greenlit for season two or if they thought they were going to end it here or what you know but um, I just thought it was a nice little statement to go out on either way like ending ending the first season um, with this like just you know uh, extraordinary yeah extraordinary kind of uh, situation it's just like another I think what it is is that like. On Next Generation, you do get the sense of, you know, uh, they do try to convey that, like, anything can really happen in the future. You know, um, you can encounter, uh, you know, time refugees and have a situation in the neutral zone all at the same time. And these people, these professional Starfleet officers are equipped to handle um, all the things. And, you know, I think Starfleet, the, the idea of Starfleet and, like, the idea of, you know, what what Star Trek conveys and like how to compose yourself and like all these things. I think they're great lessons that we don't necessarily learn um, unless we experience life in a in a in a situation like Starfleet, which we don't get to. <laughs> there is no such thing as Starfleet, so it's like a not great yet. way to not yet. It's a great way to imagine what that would be like. Um, yeah, that's a, I guess that's all about you know all I have to say about that. Well, you know, what you mentioned there about the message and, and uh, you know, um, especially Picard's talk to, to that financier about, you know, what is humanity like now in the 24th century? And, and um, I, that's, that's a message that I think previous episodes this season also echoed, didn't it? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's throughout, you know, I mean, especially with the encounters with the Q, for example, uh, Picard again, that side of him comes out where he defends humanity and he defends that, you know, like oftentimes um, in their encounters, uh, people will say that humans are very primitive. And um, even still, you know, they'll encounter like a more advanced uh, civilization and they'll call us primitive or, you know, again, there's times where even, you know, in Star Trek The Next Generation in season one, where we encounter more primitive seeming civilizations and so there is this message of like what is what is it that life forms of our intelligence of our level of intelligence should strive for you know um and and what what can happen in the if you do strive for those things and you know humanity seems pretty set up for success i mean humanity seems pretty at peace you know and uh and so do the other uh members of the united federation of planets so i don't know (laughs) Yeah, I, I feel like the speech that, you know, the little speech Picard gives is, is one that he's given previously in, in the season. And uh, it seems to be a reoccurring theme. Maybe we can talk more about that in our uh, season finale analysis. Or Yeah, which we're going to jump into next. So. Jump into next. Uh, I do want to mention that uh, the Romulans that we see in the um, in the episode also have a bit of a life beyond the episode. Mm. Um, they, uh, they, they actually show up in a couple of comics. 
in a couple of novels, um, the ones played by the guy who would eventually go on to play Goldukat. And uh, um, I think the other guy also is, is in the previous Star Trek or in subsequent Star Trek episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the story I was, I was reading here in the... Uh, our favorite book. And our favorite go-to book for our discussions here. Uh, apparently the uh, story... Um, the script was put together in a day and a half and it was rushed possibly because of the uh, writer's guild strike and um, the the rendezvous with the Romulans had been discussed as a first of a multi-part story that would have united the two governments against a newly discovered Borg who were developed uh. as a replacement f- for the disappointing Ferengi uh, the strike nixed the idea, and the Borg had to wait. Uh, references to the patterns of the destruction, however, remained in the script. The subplot is the subplot of the revived 20th century Americans, criticized by some as too reminiscent of the original Trek's space seed, came from a fan story by Deborah McIntyre and Mana Glee. So that was um, that was actually a story from the fans. Amazing. So uh, you know you're uh, you were just saying you would love nothing more than to be frozen and woken up aboard the Enterprise. Uh, that sounds like a that that's a like fan a fantasy. Right there, right? That's a fan fantasy uh, that many people apparently have. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Maybe we'll all wake up together on the Enterprise. What Enterprise would you want to wake up on? What, oh, which Enterprise would you want, want to unfreeze you? A. Enterprise A. I, from Star Trek Six. This is going to be shocking to you, but I'm going to, as far as like what timeline and what crew, I'd want to wake up on the on the D. You're a fool, sir. <laughs> You're a fool. I mean, but don't get me wrong. It's all right. I'll, I'll meet you later on. I'll still be around. <laughs> Seventy three years later. Seventy three years later, I'll catch up with you. That's cool, yeah, because because um, <laughs> modern we got we got to talk about the Romulan Warbird, man. Yes, okay, I I was saving That's it. The best thing in this whole fucking episode. <laughs> I mean, can you can take okay, go back in your mind to when you first saw this episode and you first saw <laughs> that ship. I'm pretty first that was. I'm pretty sure that was the first time I ever had a nerdgasm. What a beautiful ship. It is gorgeous. It's huge, too. Apparently, it's way bigger than the uh, Galaxy class, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, now in the original series, see, the original series kind of messed things up because didn't they use a ship that the Klingons had? The Romulans and the Klingons had very similar ships, except the Romulan Warbird, which looked a lot like the D7 battlecruiser, I think, had wings painted on... Whereas the Klingon uh, ships did not have wings painted on. So it was a little different. But then there was a Romulan ship in the original series in that same episode with um, Mark Leonard. Uh, that ship looked different. There's no Klingon ship that looked like that. That, that was a very distinct looking Romulan um, vessel. And they echo that in 
I think they brought it back a little bit in Nemesis. They kind of brought a ship that echoed the that design a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the Romulan ship. Uh, I mean, let, let's compare with like the Ferengi ship for the Marauder. I mean, um, you know, when the Ferengi were introduced in this series, uh, you know, we have a new race, we have uh, new sh- types of ships. And um, I mean, the Ferengi ships are cool, the Marauder, but mm-hmm. the Romulan Warbird here. It, no, it's really amazing. Up to the plate with yeah, this. Yeah, it's one. green. <laughs> and, and just the curves. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a mean looking ship. And and what I like is that it is a completely alien to what we are used to seeing on on the Federation side, because you know, um, or, or actually, should I say the Starfleet side? Because right. you know, um, really, the Starfleet ships are are, are Earth uh, are human engineered. Uh, there's not a lot of alien tech involved there, but. Uh, um, but there are a lot of- uh, on the contrary, uh, Starfleet ships are designed possibly by a human lens, but the technology uh, is a, is an amalgamation of uh, Andorian and Vulcan. And you that's know, what I meant yeah. to say is from an engineering point of view, <laughs> none of the Starfleet ships, which actually is kind of interesting, it's worthy of debate of why that is. But um, there's this definitely an aesthetic in Starfleet the style, right? The style is change yeah. much. Right. And uh, I would say that that's highly influenced by the original, like Zephram Cochran and like, uh, you know, whoever created the NX class. Like you see the progression of how it became like this saucer section with a secondary hole and, a, you know, and the uh, the nacelles off on pylons. Right. But this Romulan ship is just something completely different. And uh, it's 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 glorious. It's beautiful. It is. It is. It's a beautiful ship. It's true. I bought. I loved it so much. I bought the model. I remember. I, I used. I don't have it anymore. Uh, maybe it's in storage or something. But I had. This was one of the first uh, next generation models. I also bought the uh, model for the Enterprise D. And I used to, as, as a kid, as you can probably imagine, I used oh, yeah. to stage little battles between. The <laughs> between I still do. <laughs> That's good. Got my, got my ships think. right here. I can still. You know. Oh, let me see. What is that? Hold on. Oh, no, this is the original. Which uh, it's worth mentioning that that. Sh- uh, hold on. Show it again. There we go. This is the original right here. Who makes that version? This is uh, this is uh, Galoob. That's a beautiful, uh, very clean model. Very very clean. I love this model. This is this is excellent. Um, I'm, I actually have been looking at, I think I mentioned earlier, uh, thanks, thanks to you, I am now spending money online on eBay <laughs> looking at Star Trek shit again. I like that you, I'm happy to take the blame, but I like, yeah. I like that you don't take responsibility for this. <laughs> no, because I wasn't looking at any of this before I started doing this damn show. Now I'm looking at uh, at the ships. I one of the big regrets I have is um, uh, a lot. You know, a lot. The, the Star Trek toys never sold that well. Uh, they always got marked down on clearance. And when I worked at Toys R Us, I did not take uh, as full advantage as I, looking back now, as I should have. 
and bought some of those ships because they did have the Romulan ships. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and yeah, now, it was also a good toy, I think, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, those are from Playmates. Actually, so that's not Galoob. I'm sorry. That's not Galoob. That one's, that one's got to be Playmates. Playmates, very cool. Yeah. Um, so let's wrap this episode up with our rating, 10-point scale. Um, I'll go first. I give this episode eight stars, eight points. Wow. Yeah, I loved it. I really liked it. That was a charming episode. It, it, for me, it worked. I really wanted to like it more. I really, I really do, but <laughs> I don't. So you know, what do you, where does it I, fall? I'm sorry. I give it a four. Oh, wow. We're like way off on that one. Yeah, I give it a four. Nothing happens. <clears throat> I, I mean, and nothing happens. <laughs> There's a lot to discuss, but nothing happens. I do want to discuss something, though, before we go. Okay. One of the things that bothers me most, not just about this episode, but Star Trek in general. All of the Star Trek. All of Star Trek. Wow, okay. What happened to our entertainment culture? There's no movies. There's because Jerry Reed is like, oh, where, you know, where's the TV? I don't believe that we are ever going to lose um, some form of television slash movie entertainment. I just don't. I don't buy it. And there doesn't seem to be any of that in Star Trek ever. That's a that's a really good point. Um, not even Enterprise. Does Enterprise have TV? No. Doesn't uh, doesn't uh, Lieutenant Paris like some kind of comic book character in Voyager? I cannot comment. Oh yeah, <laughs> I have more knowledge of Voyager than you do. You, you do. I don't even know how. I don't even know how I have all the Voyager knowledge. Um, but, but it's not active though, and and there's there's actual dialogue <laughs> in this episode that states that oh, television was a fad that right oh, that no. disappeared. I think right. it's now, there I think is it's meant to be ironic, um, but I I I do agree that there's not any television or cinema shown. Um, maybe Hollow Suites make up for that. I don't know. Yeah, but but. I mean, uh, let me let me see, just say this. It seems like on Next Generation, at least, not DS9, but on Next Generation, at least, whenever we get forms of entertainment, they seem to echo a very classical style. Like, we'll have classical concerts. Uh, we'll have, uh, you know, Data plays the violin. There's no rock music. There is, well, there, there's no rock Music. There's no, I mean, not that I want it to be, but there's no rap music. There's no, um, there's no any other kind of music other than classical music, other than, You're you know. You said that the Rolling Stones don't seem to have a place. Well, <laughs> yes, personally, but I mean. That, you know really that has to do. Are you, you really going to tell me that the Beatles are not forever? I could tell you that, like, I bet you that if they could put the Beatles and the Rolling Stones in Star Trek, they would. Uh, but, you know, it's a licensing. It's it like a is, you can mention the Beatles. <laughs> I bet you, you there's a mention. The I bet you there's a mention of no, the Beatles in Star none. Trek. There is none. None. <laughs> the Inner Light none. is a reference to... Uh, but no one <laughs> says, God, I'm a Beatles fan. Or, 
you know, there's there's nothing like that or any, you know, Paramount. No, no. Star Trek Remember, Paramount has. licensed uh, the last, the only, you know, what was most exciting to me about one of them? I, it's going to sound weird. One of the most <laughs> exciting bits in the first contact was when uh, Cochran is getting ready to go and uh, Magic and, Carpet Ride. Magic carpet ride from Steppenwolf. And actually, Roy Armiston is in there because there's an. That one. So it's like, okay, Roy Orbison, you know, uh, Steppenwolf. Okay, this is cool. Um, but something now, you, there could be an argument to be made that maybe after the eugenics wars, I don't know, somehow we just lost. We're gonna have to explore. This is a really good. This is a really good thing. We're gonna have to explore. Um, and uh, if anyone out there knows the answer to these questions, feel free to chime in and and uh, let us know on in the comment section of this video or uh, Starfleet Boy on Twitter or StarfleetBoy at gmail dot com. <laughs> let us or the Tumblr or the Tumblr. Let us know. We 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 would love to know if anyone knows or has theories. Actually, we welcome theories about this yeah. as well. Um, well, that wraps. I I think that's a great point. I don't know the answer. I do think that uh, those forms of entertainment survived, um, but maybe for whatever reason, our characters are just not interested in those things. We do know that Riker watches. Um, a kind of interesting uh, erotic hollow porn, uh, hollow porn thing. <laughs> but again, they're playing classical music. <laughs> like, I'm why telling, can't it be, you know, girls you. playing rock guitars, which there's, I think is more exciting. But I mean, no. there's, I, I'm <laughs> telling you, it's licensing. It has to be. Classical music is a lot of concert music and classical music is in the public domain. And so it's easy. It's easier to use it. Uh, come on. Than that. Come on. <laughs> on that note, I'll see you in a few minutes, Doctor, for our recap of the entire season. Yeah, season one right recap. Recap. Live long and prosper, and uh, see you soon. Yeah.